make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring has sprung. Like the way he's speaking, his confidence is peaking. Don't like his baggy jeans, but I'ma like what's underneath them. And Love is a quite a while so um thanks for holding on there but the cool thing is we get to set start off the season with one of my absolute favorite podcasts or (laughs) 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 with one of my absolute favorite episodes love 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 so i've returned with me i have some amazing guests if they like to introduce themselves hi my name is Kay. i'm black john lennon on tumblr and killer queen Edie on the archive and this is also one of my favorite episodes. Hi, I'm Maria. Um, I'm TapLove2015 on Tumblr with uh, Hold On To Glee uh, Tumblr side blog. Uh, I'm Bethany, Invisible Raven, anywhere you care to look for me. And this actually is my absolute favorite episode of Glee, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Awesome. Okay. Well, jumping in, let's first talk about New York. Um, We start off with Rachel doing an audition for Fanny and you know um she is she's doing this read through it's going okay and but then the producer and the star actor are kind of like you know what she's too young for this and then it kicks off into yesterday but before we talk about yesterday let's talk about you know coming back and jumping right into Rachel's story and I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts about this opening section and how we kick off season five? Am I allowed to make fun of her accent? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. It, it. it just, I, it just sounded really, I don't know, fake or I don't know. It's probably supposed to sound like that, but it's like I can't take you seriously right it was now. Very over the top. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell if she was playing Fanny where she was playing Barbara Streisand as Fanny. I'm going to go with option number two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do think that. But I also think that um, yeah, I think that she was supposed to be not really 100% great. 
because she's not going to really get it off the bat, but I don't know. I miss season one, Rachel, who was kind of a bad actress. Yeah. And I think if the show's tone hadn't switched, hadn't changed, that mm-hmm. probably would have been what it would have been. Yeah. So she was so over the top and she was not good. And, you know, when they did like the mattress commercial or like Run Joy Run, like, I miss that, Rachel. The one who's just like overacted everything. And here, I can't, you know, we're. I can't tell if we're supposed to think she's really amazing or not. Yeah. Well, and the whole tone of this opening sequence isn't even really about Rachel um, and her audition. It's, oh, no, it's, not at all. Yeah. So uh, It's we, very bittersweet, even though what yeah. we know is coming up uh, hasn't happened in canon yet, has it? No. No. Because... Um, or they don't allude. I mean, obviously Finn's not there, but they they don't allude to anything going on with Finn until after these two episodes, these opener episodes. So, um, so let's talk about yesterday a little bit. It's our first Beatles song because this is our Beatles tribute episode, and yesterday is really an homage to Finn and to Corey, and it's kind of the show's way of, um saying goodbye to him in some ways and dealing with that kind of grief yeah the whole opening is like I said it's like you come we I remember coming from the hiatus like just feeling like I don't know what the what the show is gonna look like or if we're gonna be able to you know even have fun with it or you know what is this gonna be what is this gonna be like and so I'm glad that they kind of got that out of the way at the beginning. Not got it out of the way makes it feel like dismissive. But what I mean is, I'm glad that they addressed it right at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the rest of the episode, yeah. the tone is actually very light and very fun. But they did need to address it, you know, and get that taken care of and say, yes, we know, you know, yeah. but we're going to try to get to business and as usual until we can, you know, really delve into that but we acknowledge that this is going to be difficult i i have to wonder how the show would have been different if they had just started like i know why they didn't start it off with quarterback but i kind of wondered i was watching what if they had started it off first episode is the Corey tribute and then how would these two episodes be different would they have even happened and would that be like, oh, you're capitalizing on grief and blah because we're seizing the day and everything? Or wh- how would it have been played out? It's very interesting thought of, like, how, how, like, I understand why they didn't want to start it off. Boom, Finn's dead. But yeah. it is an I, interesting thing to think about. I am glad, if for nothing else, for the Curtin Blaine storyline that, it, that yes. stuff yeah. did not happen. Because I didn't want... Like, that kind of grief hanging over to, like, oh, if somebody died, let's go get married. I mean, like... And you know that. Which, I, would have I don't think it would have made story, sense. But... Yeah. Yeah, and it wouldn't have made sense. Like, because they're trying to, uh, like, towards the end of, like, season four and stuff, they tried to make, uh, like, Finn and Kurt were, like, supposed to be, like, really close as brothers. So the fact that, like, Blaine probably wouldn't have proposed right away, like, it wouldn't have happened that way. Well, I do think, and this is just based on the fact that I, my headcanon has always been that the proposal itself was a reaction to Shooting Star. Mm-hmm. So I do think, while I think that if they had, had had done 
Finn's death first, the proposal would have been different. Like, it wouldn't have been the big thing at Dalton, definitely. Having a proposal that is already based on a fear of, like, I could have died this day, and then a few months later, your friend does die, to me, it would have made sense. It just would have had a completely different tone, because people do have those kinds of reactions to death. And it kind of does sometimes make people go, oh my god, I have to do everything I need to do right now because I may not get the chance to. So it would have been an interesting story. It just would have been a different story. And the result probably would have ended up the same. You know, probably still would have ended up in where we ended in season six, albeit, you know, with differences here and there. Yep. Kind of curving the the proposal stuff, we'll get more into that in in a bit. I just want to... touch upon a a couple of other things um first also so we get on the new york side the introduction to the diner um which uh you know rachel and santana was working there first brings in rachel uh the whole gunther thing is actually a throw to friends um and gunther was the guy who um, worked and managed the the cafe that the rachel worked in and friends um, and, uh, I like the diner. I think it brings in this new dynamic to New York that it didn't have before. Um, I mean, they needed a way to include Santana, uh, and cause she wasn't going to Niata, but I, I think it, it brings a little bit more life to New York. And color. Yeah. yeah. And the most hilarious thing, I was watching the episode and Rachel walks into the diner. It's her first day. She takes off her coat and she just throws it. Yeah, she, she doesn't even sit aside. She doesn't sit aside <laughs> on a counter. She really just throws it on the floor. And well, I was like, just... I don't know if that was supposed to be in the shot or not. Yeah. But what? Yeah, I know. I think it's funny because it's like she doesn't even clock in. She's just saying to like, "Hey, Rachel's here. We're gonna, you know, she's gonna work <laughs> now." <laughs> like, well, I mean, I didn't. Like, no one wants to watch ten minutes of new hire paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but. But yeah, what do you guys think of the the whole introduction to uh, to the diner stuff? I like it, and I always had this belief that there would a lot of the friendships that didn't work in McKinley were the way they were because of the toxic environment of McKinley. So I liked the idea of Rachel and Santana really being friends. Of course, the shit they're going to ruin that in a few episodes, but I liked this idea of them having a genuine connection once outside of that competitive environment mm-hmm. and I like that they're supporting each other and I like that they got freaking jobs yeah <laughs> great no, I just like I love oh, I love it when like Santana and Rachel are like actually friends like with Kurt in the mix as well but like when they're actually being very like friendly like they're getting along mm-hmm. for once you know I think there's this misconception that um, watching people get along is boring. No. And I just, I disagree. Yeah, no. There's a lot of fun in It's Us Against the World. I mean, why do you think Friends works? Like, it's yeah. like, it's like a different <laughs> I've been watching How I Met Your Mother all week because I've been home Oh, sick. yes. And so, yeah. That Save yourself exactly. now and stop. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they do have the, that diner room, uh, the, the first one, and you know what else I like? It's funny, and in, in 
a way. I mean, yeah, there were some really funny episodes in season four. I'm not going to discount that. But I think season five brings back humor in a way that it, it just was missing for a while. And yeah, I think... it's ironic, too, that the, se- the season, it's almost a reaction to how sad yeah. the reality is. Mm-hmm. That they just, season five just has a lot of really hilarious episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get this diner room scene, which is kind of an introduction to them working. Like Rachel's like, we're basically working actresses. Um, and then we get the scene where they do a hard day's night. Um, and this is to impress the, um, again, the, is the producer of the show or the director of the show. I don't remember exactly which one he is. Um, but and then the lead actor, and it it's kind of funny because you know I I don't know how Hard Day's Night is going to get her the job, but like you know, <laughs> it's definitely it's a- not. You know, if I were going to choose a Beatles song to show off my voice, that wouldn't be the one. No. But so to uh, me, uh, Rachel is completely overreacting because they were like well, they of they, they said. Well, of course she is because it's Rachel, <laughs> but they were like, she's really good, but she's green. And then she pretty much goes and throws a musical tantrum. And, and then she goes, look, and in the end, and I will leave this rant for a bash because I'm on that episode and it's way worth getting there. They shouldn't have taken the chance on her because she's going to up and leave. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, they were right. At the whole, They were right all along. Yeah. So, She's she's just proving them right by basically throwing a musical tantrum. Like, you think I'm too young? Well, here, have a Beatles song that I like doesn't sorely, Michelle. You you tried. You tried. (laughs) As beautiful as her voice is, it's not quite as versatile as like Amber could every genre they threw at Amber on the show, like there was never one where you said, Yikes, you can't that kind of music doesn't work for you. But for some... I don't know if it's how... Well, I think it's because of the training. Very very pronounced and enunciated so well, and that's like the opposite of what I think about when I think about the... I mean, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and I would be the first one to say, like, their vocals were not perfect, you know? And so having, like, perfect, precise, clear vocals on a song like Hard Day's Night, there are Beatles songs where it could work. This just wasn't one of them. Yeah, I, no, and I get that, and I, you know, I know I'm not the the uh, leading the Leah Michelle train here or anything, but uh, you know she's not bad, but she's it is the uh, it's kind of funny because she's gonna get a lot more rock scene songs, this, especially when Adam Adam Lambert comes in, um, but it's not her forte. But um, I liked the ones she did with him because they gave her rock rock like Barracuda. And Gloria, but they like Heart. They were vocalists too, so her singing Heart—that's the kind of rock music I could see Michelle doing because those sisters had amazing voices on top of being amazing guitarists. But it really depends on the yeah. song with her. It does. But it's I like if she did Britney, it never worked for me because her voice is too too perfect for that. But I think overall, I think that this number, uh, Hard Day's Night, is entertaining. I mean, just everybody dancing and jumping around. I mean, granted, it's not, you know, it's not, um, you wouldn't have a diner where they actually put, you know, the shoes on the tables. But um, 
and you'll definitely still... <laughs> it's still fun it, it's still fun i think they still did an entertaining number out of it so i also really like um there's this tiny little thread where rachel is she gets some texts from blaine and basically tells santana they have to go home for something big and i like the little tiny snippet of hey blaine's in communication with rachel about this proposal i think that's kind of cute they were much better in season five of bridging lima and new york with little throwaway comments like that so i, I was like they- why are you leaving in the middle of your shift <laughs> well yeah with that. Got here. But people do that on tv all the time i know that's like leaving the door open when they come in. People people on TV leave the door open. It drives me crazy. Like, shut the door. You know what Lock it is for me on TV? People putting their shoes, putting their feet on the bed with shoes on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that's kind of Rachel's. Her her plot line is going to be kind of tied up in the socket and Tino and the Sky with Diamonds. But I think that the, even the New York stuff, because we talk so much about in season four, how the, the New York stuff felt stifled and dark. And now we are getting this brightly energetic new tone to New York that uh, it's fun to watch now. I think it's really great. I mean, I do think it's kind of funny. They kind of drop Niata like a, you know, hot potato, but like. Because it's um, a scam. <laughs> School for witches. <laughs> um, so going over the Lima side, uh, before we get to any of the kids stuff or will or whatever i want to talk a little bit about sue um because this is the one part of the episode that that drives me crazy i don't like any sue part of an episode will drag it down for me i i think the stuff with figgins where he is like completely framed with all of this over-the-top stuff i'm like this isn't even funny like, it's not funny, no. and it's one of the only things that pisses me off about the way the show ended. Was Stiggins was not the best principal, but I felt like he deserved more than what he got, and I really wish that the show had ended with him getting Sue back in some way. Right. I was hoping she would go to jail, not become vice president. You and me both. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. Like, I wanted the show to end. I would have taken a scene of Sue in prison where she's like the red Reznikoff of whatever prison she's in. Yep. Like, she's running the whole thing. That's a happy ending for Sue. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, sure. given where, but given where we are currently politically, Sue Sylvester is vice president. Not Makes far off. sense. I know. Yeah. Oh. God damn it, Ryan Murphy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. So, and also, I, I hate that scene where she's like, dumps the meat all over the floor it just grosses me out every time i'm like why do we need to see this the only thing i did find really funny though was the scene between will and coach Roz, where i hate it i hate it it's actually kind of oh really because i love coach Roz, and so it pisses me off that they took her from you know she has this bronze medal and all that to like she stole it and she you know she's actually a criminal and i was just like really glee like, you couldn't just let the black woman just be an Olympian. You had yeah, to, like, turn her yeah. into, like, a criminal. Like, it totally ruined it, because I loved her from day one. I thought the timing of comedy was funny, but yeah, it is sad that they did that to her. She's not really, I guess she's not really used that much, though, throughout the season. She doesn't come back very many times, does she? Does she come back at all? 
She does, at least when, because she's the one that like brings in Bree and is like, this girl was, you know, in trouble. And then she's like, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. She actually wanted to discipline someone. How dare she? Yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah, Sue is principal, bad decision guy. I mean, the, the, Sue was pretty much, oh, not to mention, she probably would not even be allowed to come back as a teacher, but whatever, I'm not even going to go with the reality of that, so. And to be fair, Figgins wouldn't have been allowed to come back after all of that either, even as the janitor, I don't think, but. No, no, he would have no. Reality, what's that? <laughs> Yeah, they they do take a little bit more liberties with reality. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, there's that. That's just there. It's something that, I, like I said, it's the one part of the episode that I really don't like. So, Agreed. all right. So um, then we get into the kids part of it. Um, Yay! This uh, part is so get, fun. I know this. We get um, you know Will talking about we're gonna do two weeks on Beatles. Ha ha. I mean, you know. Yes. Meta there. The cool thing, except for yesterday, I do want to point this out. The songs in the two episodes actually do go chronologically. Um, yes. Oh, that's cool. They, yeah. So they start the the opening it, uh, is some of the early years, and they get into the middle years, and kind of the end of the first episode, beginning of the second episode, and then the end of the second episode is all the the later stuff. And I just think it's yeah. really kind of a neat thing that they did for that. Yeah, they really did kind of go through like the mop top. Era and then ended with the psychedelic era, which is why all the colors at the proposal kind of fit. And then, kind of, yeah, I love that they really broke it down in that mm-hmm. way. And as I like in the tribute episodes, I like finding like little Easter eggs like that. Like mm-hmm. I found some little ones in Michael that I thought were fun. And then there's little ones here, like the way that it is chronological in the Beatles' career is really fun. Yeah. Um, we do get. Like in this, an interesting dynamic in this opening sequence with all the kids in the the choir room that I kind of wanted to point out. We get um, the newbies are taking a back seat. You know, I mean, obviously, Kitty is going to be with Artie, so that's a separate thing. But this is definitely time when the newbies don't get a lot of story. I mean, I know they will a little bit through this first part of the the episode of the season five, but you can tell that they've already made the decision to make them a little bit more background. Um, but their and their background is so perfect though because yeah. they actually I feel like they it's more quality mm-hmm. than quantity because everything they say every scene with them in this episode is hilarious and yeah. their reactions are so perfect and so mm-hmm. I'd honestly love it even though you know I miss them and I miss them being a focus because they did like them I think that it was more cohesive and. It feels like, and they're more part of the group, and their reactions to the seniors' ridiculousness <laughs> is what they should have been doing last season, too. Right. It's like acknowledging, like, these people are ridiculous and strange, and what is even happening? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like how they stop making them, mean like, Rachel 2.0 or Finn 2.0, just, yeah. like, making them their own people, because, honestly, that works better than them copying things. Yeah, that's always going to work better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do, it's kind of interesting. I do think it's interesting with the writer and unique thing. They completely dropped that. There's no resolution. They acknowledged mm-hmm. that it was a thing, but then it's just completely dropped. Never mentioned um, again. Never mentioned after this. 
I don't necessarily need more. I knew I know there are people out there that were really big fans of that storyline or just in that dynamic. And I am sorry for them to not get closure because unfortunately Glee has a tendency to just drop its plot lines. But um, I think this was, again, Glee's way of saying, you know what? We are going to drop some of the stuff that wasn't popular in season four and focus on things that... See, I don't think it's that it wasn't popular. I just think that it was going to involve Finn. Uh, I never thought of that. Interesting. I don't know. You know, he was he was their teacher. All their storylines, you know, connected back to him. So without Finn to resolve it, they had no choice but to drop a lot of it. And that's why the only storyline for the for the newbies that really carries through is Katie's relationship with Artie and the relationship between Jake and Marley and the even and the kind of triangle between Jake Marley and Ryder but I do believe that the Ryder unique storyline would have been wrapped up through Finn and so they kind of had no hmm. choice but to drop it yeah. I don't think it was due to popularity interesting I never thought of it that way but yeah maybe I don't know um let's see I'm trying to think if there's anything else except for okay so then yeah we get what are your guys' thoughts on the whole Kitty Artie thing I like them together. I saw it coming at the end of season four, and I liked that she, she didn't take crap from him. You know, mm-hmm. she yeah. called him out constantly. Yeah, I I will admit, uh, out of all the girls that Ernie dated and promptly screwed over, Kitty <laughs> was probably my favorite. And I really yeah. liked them together. And all throughout season six, I was like, come to your senses, man, and apologize to her and get back with Kitty. Yeah, exactly. You were at your best when you were with her because she didn't put up with her shit. And I loved that Kitty became like fourth wall breaking snark master. And yes, you also mm-hmm. like you made her a better person because she was. I liked Kitty when she was with Ernie and I don't know, it, it worked for me. And I was really sad that they broke them up with, again, a throwaway line in the letter exactly. out of season. And yeah. then yeah. had them pretty much not interact at all in season six, even though they were there together. And just like, well, uh, it, it's kind of funny to me how much effort is put into the Kitty Artie storyline for this particular episode because it's mostly dropped through season five. I mean, like, it's not like they get much to do outside of this episode. I mean, it's there in different moments, and it's referenced a lot. Um, so, but it's not a story after this. No. Yeah. I don't know if they needed two songs. They I, didn't. I like... <laughs> definitely didn't need it. The first one was just an excuse to go to the carnival because, and Space Orion, you might hate me for this, but this this episode was like, here's a bunch of shit we did wrong in season three, and now we're going to try to fix it. Because we're trying to fix the Santana and Rachel relationship. These are, this is their senior <laughs> ditch day, but done better so we don't have to go to Six Flags, and so everybody gets to participate. And <laughs> I never thought of that. Anyway, how about this? Here are some seniors that are enjoying themselves. Yeah, but... Here are some and, seniors that aren't, like, completely maudlin and depressed. Like, these guys are, are excited about graduating high school, like most seniors are. Yeah. Uh, well, I, why I, would I hate you for that? I don't understand. Because you hate season three and you 
and I'm just, I don't want you to remind you of it because oh, because <laughs> you're like no, don't mention that evil thing ever again. Oh, that's funny. But <laughs> but like no, the the first song, the first duet was really just an excuse of hey, we're there's a song about cards. Let's go to the carnival and do the bumper card. It's just phone. Like they sound okay on it. The second one is great, even though the meaning behind the song is completely different than the context of what's going on. But whatever. Well, the second one is one of my favorite Beatles songs yeah. ever, and yeah, I try not to let the original context of a song bother me too much when it's when it's used in this way. But um, especially since the original context in the movie help, yeah, is just kind of like we're singing to her. <laughs> Yeah, like, um. there's in the original movie, there's no real context behind the song other than, you know, he's kind of falling for this chick who may or may not be trying to kill Ringo. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I too, also really like the, the kitty Artie dynamic. I just... I know it kind of, I, I like that they address the issue too, where Katie, Katie, God, why do I keep saying that? Kitty is trying to figure out her feelings, but she kind of hides it because of her status. And then it comes out that, you know, she wanted to make sure that she really liked him before she announced, you know, to everybody. I like her big, long, you know, monologue when she, you know, admits to yeah. liking Artie and, and that. And it is a nice dynamic. I think they keep each other in check in a lot of really good ways. And, and I think that, for a minor relationship, it was a lot of fun, and yeah. Um, so I'm just glad she never yeah. called him Arthur again because that was just weird. <laughs> I like it. I think it's hilarious when she does. Um, I think. Um, oh, uh, I nope. think that like the monologue is like sweet and all, um, but like the fact that Tina was just sticking her nose and everything is just. I, yeah, just I was gonna like that. <laughs> ask you guys about what you thought of Tina, like inputting her. Tina never learns. This is what she always does. She did it with Mike. She's done it a thousand times before. And sometimes you just got to stop telling Tina stuff. Yeah. Well, wasn't she the one who's like, oh, Mike and Brittany are totally cheating on us with each other back in the Yes. This this is like pure 100. That's why I don't understand when people are like, Tina changed. No, she didn't. She's just louder. (laughs) <laughs> She's just louder. <laughs> Tina, we're worried about you. Speaking of that, um, one of my favorite, absolute favorite scenes in this entire episode is the scene where Blaine is concerned about Tina, and so he's oh the my other god, <laughs> that's hilarious. I have to say, this is one of the things that I really loved about it because. A lot of times, Glee writes its teenagers as if they were 30-year-old adults. And in this scene, those boys were teenage boys, just, like, playing with their shoe and, like, flapping at each other and just, like... And a three-way high five. (laughs) And I love... So I love... And Blaine is just... Going on about the cake. (laughs) Getting off topic, it's like, yeah... (laughs) Definitely. I know how good the cakes are. I've had them before, okay? I love, and he's like, <laughs> Blaine's like, I have something to talk to you about. And, and what does um, Sam say about, like, what the Russians are going to take over or something? I don't remember. It was just like, <laughs> just something ridiculous. And he's like, what? I saw no, When he's like, one of our own has gone, has gotten out of control. And they're all like, Tina. Tina. She's <laughs> totally Tina. Tina. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I, it was such a great comedic little scene. Um, but. I, I'm going to protest something he says here, because yes. in season one, I was a diehard Artie and Tina shipper. Me too. He, 
he broke up with her because she faked her Sarah. Yes. They got back together and then she cheated on him with Mike and then broke up with him for being a crappy okay. boyfriend. You know what? I was upset about that line too, and then I thought about it. Who do you think Blaine gets this gets his information from? Tina. Oh. <laughs> do you think Tina's gonna Tina. tell him that? Or do you think Tina's gonna yeah. put it? Yeah, I very much doubt Mike jumped her from not being Asian enough. Yeah, I'm almost 100% sure that that's just Tina bullshitting. Yeah. That Tina told him that and Blaine took it at face value because he wasn't there, so he doesn't know what happened. And and then he asked Kurt, and Kurt's like, yeah, I guess that. I don't know. Well, he might have asked Mike. I really, yeah, no, I really like that. There's, like, some some people in, like, in fandom that really like Blaine and Mike just being, like, really good friends. Because we, ha- we get a few scenes in uh, season three, but, like, I'm one of them, but, like, they just, they, like, really go well together, and so, like, I want to think that, like, they were talking, but we'll see. The thing with Mike, I feel like I could see, I could possibly see that being a part of it, because they did conflict, and we know how important Mike's family is to him and how traditional they are, and I can't speak on it because I'm not Asian, but I do have... You know, I do have a lot of Asian friends who very much were, like, in high school, they'll date, you know, outside of their race and and this and that. But when it comes time to settle down, they go for a much more traditional, you know, someone who's as traditional as their family is. I've seen that happen, you know, over and over, you know, with a lot of my Asian friends from high school. Um one in, I remember I had one in particular who was like, I'll never marry a Filipino guy. I She loved black guys. She even she dated my brother. But when it time came to settle down, she went the traditional route. So I could definitely see that coming between Tina and Mike. Whereas Tina, you know, we find out when she's applying to colleges, we don't. She doesn't really know who she is or what she identifies with. Whereas Mike is very much strongly into his roots. Mm-hmm. So I believe that. But the one about Mike, the one with Artie was bullshit. Um, I do. It's kind of funny uh, going through and watching this rewatch that because um, we're still in season two and the rewatch, and I have been noticing a lot more comments that Mike. Whenever Mike and Tina get something, which is rare, a lot of it has to do with Asian culture, and some of it's a little stereotypical and like you guys, Glee. They need they can be characters outside of you know this, but um, I mean, I, I too would want a salad without chicken feet in it, but that's just me. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, uh, but then we get, um, I saw her standing there and this is a throwback to when they did that on the Edge Sullivan show. Um, they... this is where I got my URL. I was, um, live blogging the show and, and I'm in California and I, this was before like, you know, Amazon fire sticks and all that stuff. So I used to try to find remember we used i don't know if you guys were in fandom at the time we used to pass around like a list of links like you can watch it here mm-hmm. and this is already the best day because right before glee darren did like a q a i tweeted him i walked to the grocery store came back and darren had replied to me so i was already having like the best i was like glee really even if, even if they don't say my name i'm glee of the week bitches Wait, like, what did you darren, what did you, what, what did you, tweet? Was, what did you um, reply? he was talking about the beatles and he asked, um, he was talking about the movie Help. Mm-hmm. And so I said, there's one scene in the movie Help. You've seen it, right? Um, I've not seen it, no. Okay, so there's a scene where something, they're in a bathroom and like something's gone down. And Ringo goes, there's more here than meets the eye. And then they kind of do this fake laugh. They're like, ho, 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 ho. And me and my sister, we quote that to each other all the time. So I tweeted Darren, like my sister and I quote this to each other all the time. 
And so he replied, like, that's an awesome scene. That's hilarious. And But I had walked to the grocery store because I wanted to get something to eat before Glee started, and I left my phone. So when I came back, I had, like, a million notifications, <laughs> like, my text messages, Twitter, Tumblr. I was like, what the hell? And I had, like, five minutes before the episode was started, and I'm trying to find a live stream, live stream link. And then I check, and Darren had replied to my tweet, and I honestly thought I was going to throw up. Like, I was Aww. like, what in the world just happened? And so <laughs> I was already, like, I was like, I'm Gleek of the Week. I win. Anyway, so this happens and he's introducing everyone and he says black john lennon and i literally changed my url on the spot <laughs> like go. everyone was like what? you disappeared i was like oh no this is me now this is <laughs> I this found is my me calling. now i found my calling and it's black john lennon and i have never changed it back but i'm hoarding my old url because no one else can have it <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you ever wanted to know, there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, back to the scene, though. I, I like the girls coming up and screaming. That's such a in their sixties. Marley, mm-hmm. freaking hilarious in this scene. Oh goodness, they were so. Oh horrible. my god. Yeah. Mar- um, Marley was. She just. She was not a funny character in season four, but I don't know what happened in season five. Marley was hilarious. For the little bit that they did use her and in this scene mm-hmm. she just oh my god she killed me yeah she was she's so actually over the top. it's kind of funny because you watch there's a lot of nonverbal communication with her and jake in the scene as well there is uh, um especially when they're like tina you, you can pick one of us to be your you know your prom date oh, yeah. and Mar- marley's like no <laughs> uh, <excuse me? laughs> but jake um i love that darren actually uh, learned to play it on his left side because um Paul McCartney was left-handed. Yeah. Thank you. Did, now, did he actually Thank learn, you. or was he just miming it? No, he said he learned it, I think. I saw oh, wow. They probably didn't even ask him to learn it. They are probably just like, Darren, hold your guitar like Paul McCartney. And oh, yeah. Like, for, oh, for, yeah for authenticity's you... sake, I'm going to learn how to play left-handed, because yeah, Darren yeah. so would. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> what are the chances that he already knew how to do that, because he had been watching Paul McCartney? <laughs> I mean, because Paul McCartney and Jimi Hendrix are both left-handed and played their guitars backwards. And I know that because I like to know who my famous lefties are because I'm a lefty too. But um, I could totally see Darren just wanting to know that just because that's an awesome freaking thing to know. And, and if you, yeah, he uh, must have gone back and really watched the clips from Ed Sullivan because he, oh god, my everything, Paul McCartney down. perfectly. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, if Darren's a Beatles fan, he's probably already seen it a million times. Yeah, that's true. Because mm-hmm. I know I have. But it's kind of fun. It's and and yeah. Uh, let's talk about they they acknowledge prom a little bit here. I think it is funny for the, all of the hoopla of her like having the scene and picking a prom date that she doesn't go with anybody. Um, but <laughs> she goes with the least gay and the least Asian. So um, <laughs> a that's even further confirmation that Blaine is is Asian and mm-hmm. Ryder might be a little gay. <laughs> <laughs> I always great, thought he was okay. gay for Jake, and I, I I have personally written fan fiction where he was a little gay for Blaine. So everybody's I, a little gay yeah. for Blaine. <laughs> that was what I wrote. That was kind of how this, that was kind of how the story ended. Tina tells him all the guys were kind of gay for Blaine. It's okay. <laughs> I, I think that is all of us. Uh, yeah, um. I think it's canon. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, 
but uh, so she she goes with Sam. She ends up going with Sam. And poor Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll. I know I'm not on the next later. podcast. I know. Ugh. It doesn't even look. Ugh. I'm with Blaine on that one. That just looked wrong. Yeah, it reminds me of in Half Blood Prince when uh, Ron's making out with Lavender and Jenny's like, he looks like he's eating her face. Yeah, and it's from the book, not in the movie, but that's what it looked like. What What were you gonna say about the next episode? Okay. Oh, because they just Sam. She just drops him. And I'm like, Sam has the worst luck. He's just constantly. He doesn't even ever really get broken up with. Rachel doesn't break up with him in season six. No. We never see, no one, Mercedes is the only one who's ever had the courtesy of breaking up with Sam on on screen. Everyone else, we just kind of see them with someone else. And we were well, like, yeah. uh. I mean, he broke up with Quinn, technically, but. Technically, but um, <laughs> after she cheated on him and lied about that gumball thing. Thing. <laughs> oh. Well, and Brittany broke up with him on screen, but it was ridiculous. I mean. It was so harsh. Yeah. Poor Sam. Poor Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, any, um, so let's talk about this little tiny plot line in this episode that nobody really cares about. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's any references before we get the picnic stuff, but I don't think so. No. Um, no. Nope. Okay. So yeah, we start off. We have. I remember when they filmed that, though. Oh Lord. Oh yeah. I remember everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So we start off when we have this picnic, and we basically have the two of them chatting. And I love one of the things that I love about this particular scene is how relaxed they are with each other. You kind of can tell they have already been doing things since Skirt's been home. I mean, they're oh, yeah. already kind of back together. And this is their officially, like, okay, we're going to actually label it as back together. Um, I agree. But mm-hmm. it, it, it knocks out a couple of things. It talks about, like, it get rid of the, gets rid of the Adam question. Like, that wasn't a Ooh, thing people anymore. people were pissed about that. <laughs> I don't, whatever. I'm sorry. He hadn't been shown since episode 15 of last season. It was not an entity at this oh, point. Oh, no. People, I remember because I was like, I called it. Okay, I wasn't very <laughs> nice about it. I'll admit it. But um, some people were, especially when you find out he kicked him out of the apples, and people were like, there was so out of character for Adam, and he would never Adam know. Didn't I was like, what have out character. of character? There was no there yeah, there. No. There was no character to be out of. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, if you put it in context of like the timeline, a month before, not even, you know, you're you're trying to go out with this guy, and then he goes away for spring break, and he comes back engaged to his ex boyfriend. <laughs> I would be kind of pissed too. Like, I kick no. him out too. It's my group. It's named after me. Yeah, I I don't yeah. think that Adam was in the wrong for that, but yeah, I think I like that Kurt was just like, nah, it's not entity, you know. And I love how flirty they are in the scene. And I love Kurt kind of teasing, like, eh, maybe we won't get back together. But it's definitely... I don't believe in labels. <laughs> um, really, Kurt. And, and you know what else? One thing that I think is really awesome. They're, they're, I mean, they've done this before in the past, but more so in the season than any before it. They match their clothing. Um, mm-hmm. the, all of the golds and whites and of Blaine is, is matched up against the purples and greens of Kurt's. And I just, they look awesome together. So 
they like, do. This is one of my favorite like combination of like outfits they've had, like when mm-hmm. they're together. This looks great. So yeah, they just so, yeah. look hot. And I mean, both <laughs> they look attractive, but also it was hot as hell that day. Oh yeah, <laughs> I always think of that that when they're in the elevator, not that kind of hot, actually hot. <laughs> no, I mean like I remember the filming stills and yeah. The sweat yeah. stains after oh, they yeah. would run Which through they the number. Edited out apparently because <laughs> it's not there in the. Um, yeah, because I've seen the behind the, the scenes, and we we've all seen Darren. We know that he sweats profusely. <laughs> Poor um, guy. Uh, but yeah, I just oh, what was I gonna say? Hmm. The Oprah cheating contract. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna need to sign you. Well, that's the thing. They also kind of, you know, talk about the cheating, and even though it does come back a little tiny bit, and it is something that is a little bit, you know, underneath a lot of it. Kurt has healed quite a bit, um, and he is ready to get. I mean, even though he may not, and we'll get into talking about the proposal in a minute, he is ready to get back together with Blaine at this point. I don't think that is any of the problem really and the way that blaine responds to the question makes it sound like they've actually talked about it i wish we'd seen them talk about it yeah because he said they've talked about it he says we've been through this which means that they have sat down and they have talked about it and yeah it's something that we were supposed to be promised way back at christmas last year but um yeah. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. It's funny to me because it's supposed to be mid-March in, in Ohio, which would be like 50 degrees, 60 degrees. It would not be that hot in, in March in Ohio. But. Welcome to March in Los Angeles. Yeah. Or really August or July. In it could be pouring. Funny thing is, it, in March, it could be pouring down rain next day and 80 degrees the day after that. It's a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um. So no consistency. I, I, <laughs> um. I just want to say one thing. Like I yeah. love how they're talking here, and it reminds me of back in season one when uh Bert has the talk with Kurt. Like oh, I guess it's season two because Blaine was in the picture. Um, talks to Kurt about how because it's two guys, it's a lot harder for you guys to like communicate. So like I like that scene just made me think about that for a second. Yeah, because mm-hmm. communication is always their issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always where they fall short. And, you know, Bert called it. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I do think that the the getting back together was on par. I do think, you, you know, even at the end of season four, Kurt was ready to let Blaine back in. Was he really ready for an engagement? Probably not. Um, but he, in this scene, he is so happy and I love that it is so mutual on both parts that they are so giddy and so happy to be back together again. And I, I, I really enjoy that, especially since season four was so oh, tedious in certain respects. Um, yeah. so, uh, let's talk about, uh, gotta get you back, gotta get you into my life. I love this version of the song. It's not the Beatles arrangement. It's uh, closer to the Earth, Wind, and Fire arrangement from this really shitty, um, in the 70s, they did a Beatles musical starring Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. And I love it. 
it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but I love it. And the soundtrack is amazing because you basically have Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees and all these 70s stars doing covers of Beatles songs. And so Earth, Wind, and Fire do a cover of Gotta Get You Into My Life, and that's the um, a similar arrangement to the one that they use here, which I freaking love. I love... The, oh, go ahead. I don't want to talk over anybody. Go ahead. Um, oh. Yeah, I... Well, you you knew that... that well, Kurt knew they were going to get back together because he had the band on standby, and Blaine had the band on <laughs> you know, but I do like that Kurt call it kind of call back to the Whitney Houston episode where he's like, "Do you know how hard it is to be like sat back and watching you sing all the time?" And he's like, "No, I'm not sitting here and letting you sing to me anymore. Like, I've got something planned." And I'm just like, "Oh, I love how flirty and extra yeah. you both are being. <laughs> you're dueling marching bands and you're just like all." Uh, it's just so lovely, and even if this is not my favorite Clean song or my favorite Beatles song, I'm just like, yeah, no, this this seems so happy and yeah. fun, and missing fun for so long, and they're both in really tight pants, so you know I'm going to appreciate that. <laughs> Let, let's take a second and appreciate the fact that they go, both get a nice couple of butt wiggles for the camera. <laughs> yeah, and it reminds me of the Jimmy Fallon tight pants dance. Oh. Have you guys ever seen that? I don't. It's the weirdest thing Jimmy Fallon does, but it's tight pants dance, and there's like, they're just wearing these really tight white pants, and it's Jimmy and whoever his guest is at that time. But yeah, it's the curtain blank um, tight pants dance. I have to say, I have to give you guys my theory about the the courtyard songs that Curtain Blaine usually get because I think this is interesting to me that in season two. Blaine sings Somewhere Only We Know, and it's about Kurt coming back, and Blaine is kind of being left behind at Dalton. And then in season three, it's about Blaine coming to Dalton, or coming to McKinley to be with Kurt. In season four, it's about Kurt leaving McKinley. And in season five, it's about the both of them leaving together as a couple. And I always thought that was really cool. Well, that's, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. And note how the songs get happier each time. (laughs) Right? I don't know. I always just thought that was very symbolic of how it was like this back and forth of returning and leaving and then going out together. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, almost makes me feel better about not getting a courtyard song in season six. Yeah, that's why I'm like, nope, they did it. They wrapped it up. They don't really need to have another one. so. Um, So, yeah. Um, I also just want to shout out, I love when, um, it seems like such a cursed thing, but uh, when he was like playing with the plumes, he's just like tapping the plumes on the back oh, yeah. as it goes by. I don't know why, it just cracks me up every time I see it. Darren is really sensitive to light, yeah. and so his uh, poor squinty eyes during somewhere yeah. only now. So I'm glad they let him have sunglasses this time, him and Chris. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's also one point they- in the song. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. Plus, they look really cool. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one point in the song where they're like looking at each other and going down the stairs at the same time. Someone I saw this post on Tumblr when like someone analyzed it and was like, Chris at this point has like fallen over during so many songs that he's carefully watching the steps. Yeah. But then just Darren <laughs> jumping up and down like on the steps, just like, and he's also shorter, so like he's trying to match like Chris's uh like width of like his steps. So like, well, you see, like Darren jumping, and Chris is like carefully walking down the stairs. Is it because Darren is part Tigger and Chris is like me? 
where you're just constantly <laughs> falling and injured and broken, whereas Darren's like uh, bouncy. Oh yeah, I mean, hurt. it's time where he's bouncing everywhere. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, um, God, to have that much energy. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about the end and the kiss, and and I love it that it's a declaration. Like, hey, you know, because it goes back to that season three you know, moment where they're in the courtyard kind of on the stairs and Blaine just gives Kurt a pat on the thing because, you know, but now they're going to declare, you know, they're in love with each other and stand on top of that table and make out. And I'm just like, okay, I don't know if it's so much that McKinley has changed or if they just don't give a shit anymore. Probably. Oh, that's both, true. Though. Yeah. I think they just I don't know. care. Blaine's like, <laughs> I'm like six weeks away from graduating. I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get my man back. Exactly. <laughs> There's well, a I... reason why that's that screen cap is my icon on Tumblr. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I love that. Like it's just it's a cute shot. Oh, I I do too. I think it's one of it, it's and it's a real hot kiss too. It's like whoa. Like they just go for it. <laughs> um. Now I have to say because I think it's my favorite thing when you take out the commercials. The next thing is Sue coming in and saying, "America, your prayers have been answered." And I always thought that was purposeful. <laughs> Because, you know, they get claimed back together, and then she says, America, your prayers have been answered. Oh, yeah, I agree. Oh. All right, so any other comments about the courtyard stuff before we move on? Because... I I have a note, but I don't know where exactly it would fit. Well, let's try right here. (laughs) Um, Like, when we last saw Clayne, we were at the end of season four, and Blaine was there hiding the ring box. And when that aired, I was like, no, talk to him first. <laughs> yeah. As much as I would have preferred they show, not tell, that they had talked. And, you know, I did like this scene. And then I was like, okay, they're back together. And I think, like, part of me was like, okay, is Blaine actually going to stop here? And, like... If you if you weren't spoiled for the episode, you didn't know what was coming. Like you mm-hmm. could, like is he actually still going to go through with this? Because like you got him back. You don't need to do the extra thing. Like yes, it's gorgeous mm-hmm. and beautiful, and I'll talk more about that when we get into the actual proposal part. But I was just like, it's strange how quickly. Like at the end of season four, I was like, no, don't get engaged. And the end of this episode, I was like, Clay got engaged. And right. I was so, so it's yeah. Like. This little scene, as much as it, it's a great scene, it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for, but it was more than I was expecting, I guess. And yeah. it was enough to put me on team proposal all the way, even though in the end, like, I love the proposal. And I think in the end, neither one of them will ever regret that they got engaged this way because it was a, it's like the best right. proposal ever. These boys mm-hmm. have ruined all of our romantic attempts in real life. You can't stop this shit. But... No. Shouldn't have gotten engaged at this point. It was a stupid idea, and I. But I can't make myself dislike or hate any part of this proposal, even yeah. though I know, and they probably knew, this is a stupid thing. We shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, there's a difference, and yeah. I guess we will get. In, I'll, I'll curb it in a minute for for a little bit later. But there is a difference between the uber romanticism of the moment versus the reality of like being engaged which is really really touched upon in the curtain bird scene but we'll get to that in just a second um let's talk about i think the next part um uh is the the stuff with help where but before that there's that scene where 
Blaine is really excited to say that he's back together with Kurt. Um, I'm sure their face, everybody's Facebooks are now nauseated because, you know, <laughs> there's a million pictures of them making out and they're just like half people have blocked Kurt and Blaine again. Um, <laughs> That's a fic I want to read. <laughs> could you just imagine? I, I'm sorry. I, I, they would be the, the that couple where you're like, okay, I'm unfollowing you now. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is where... This is an interesting because this, this particular topic comes up in season four and it's continued here. And this is also where I think that is a downfall for the wedding episode in season six, where they start this conversation about gay marriage. And I think it was very legitimate, especially since gay marriage marriage was legalized in the U.S. right after the show had ended. So I understand why it was on Ryan Murphy's radar, completely topical. And here it fits in a little bit better, but I think that. Sometimes they got so preoccupied with their message of gay marriage that the whole reality subject of these are teenagers working yeah. through relationships kind of yeah. got a little muddled. Personally, like he but. was like, "I'm gonna get a gay, I'm gonna get a gay wedding in this show if it's the last thing I freaking do." Yeah, without <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Like, um, but they're like hella young though. But this yeah. whole scene doesn't feel like doesn't feel most more. It feels more like Blaine talking about you know we're going to get married because, you know, we should be able to. And, you know, and it's less about Kurt. It feels a little bit more about the gay marriage aspect of it. That's not a reason to get married. Nope. Nope. So 99% of the time, if your reason for doing something is because I can or should be able to, you shouldn't be doing it. Good advice. So uh, there are elements that I like the scene. I like Sam's support. Um, I love the newbies. Kind of like, yeah, whatever, Blaine. Um, <laughs> this is I feel like that's crazy their thing you're doing. Yeah, that's their reaction to Blaine. All yeah, okay, Blaine. <laughs> um, I, you know, even Artie is like, you know, I still think you're too young. <laughs> um, but uh, but then it gets into help, and help is so much fun. I, I love help, and it's very similar to you know. It's one of those things where you can, where they kind of lift it from the from the source, because there is a scene like this, like it very much copies bits from uh, Hard Day's Night, and Help, mm-hmm. uh, the movies. So I thought that part was fun, and we I, get to say goodbye to the warblers that we know. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this episode is kind of a goodbye to the warblers in a sense. I know it's gonna be back in season six, but. Um, this is, I kind of, I love the, you know, they break into the vocal adrenaline stuff and. They're going to have I, so many trespassing lines. <laughs> I, you know, this is ridiculous of me, but I just love the moment where Blaine grabs that girl. Cause it's such a Darren thing. Grabs the girl and starts dancing with her and then like twirls her away. Um, and then, um, then they go to the deaf choir and the tough choir is like, what is up with these people? And then they go to Dalton. And I love, did you guys see when this came out, there was the picture of Sam and Blaine and they're looking around the corner and it says something about Scooby-Doo. Like, That's because <laughs> Blaine is dressed in the same color scheme as Shaggy. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly why. <laughs> uh, and it's like, I couldn't unsee it. Can't unsee it. No. Uh, that's because and Sam's hair. Oh my God, what is up with Sam? Sam has Shaggy's hair. <laughs> Blaine is wearing Shaggy's outfit. 
Well, they had to go to Dalton anyway because Blaine had to talk to somebody official to stage that proposal there. If he didn't, dear God, how did they not all get kicked out? <laughs> no. I just imagine Blaine walks in and they go, Blaine Anderson wants to rent half of the school. Okay. It's Blaine. Yeah, probably. Just like, uh, hey, I, uh, can I, can I don't I go here anymore, place? but. Yeah. <laughs> No, like, but you're Blaine, and but we love Blaine. you, and we miss you, and if we do this, will you come back? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that Trent is back uh, for for a final moment, and then, of course, we get Sebastian back, on a, a, yeah. ending on a high note, which is kind of nice. So Yeah. This is right after Grant Gustin had that bike accident. Yeah. Well, That's why his hair is short. I thought it was short because of the flash. No, he hadn't started the flash yet. He had got, he was riding his bike, and he got hit by a car. Aww. And he like broken his arm really bad, so he shaved his head because he couldn't, because he was having a hard time doing his like, you know, combing his hair because his arm was broken. So he shaved his head. Oh. oh. I think this is a little bit before the flash, but it's definitely like he's all healed up and everything, but his hair is still grown back. Okay. So yeah, we get the, we get officially official end to the warblers, which is a sweet thing, I think. Um. And you know what? I also have to throw out, I think this is funny and hilarious, that when they're running around, when New Directions is running around, Will is with them the whole time. And, like, him running around with, like, everybody just feels so <laughs> That's weird. That's so and... strange. The <laughs> other choirs follow them to Dalton, though, too, because I'm like, yeah. it's the middle of the school day. You should all be back at school, Will. You have classes to teach. <laughs> and he was and so not... at the beginning of it, and then he's like, woo, let's go! Like, and no. I, I never understood why Glee chose to do this. Because I don't know about other states. I know I'm from L.A. And so things may be different. Because I could count like five high schools within like a 10 mile radius of each other. That would all be, you know, competition. But it's LAUSD. It's probably more crowded. So if I were going to, if we were going to do competition, I'd be like, well, there's my school. There's Fairfax. There's University. There's Santa Monica. Blah, blah, blah. But on Glee, it's like there's McKinley and Lima. And then Volker Jones like Akron. I don't know where Haverbrook is. And then Dalton's in um, Westerville because fandom is obsessed with Blaine being from Westerville because of that. And I don't know enough about Ohio, but I'm under the impression that none of these places are geographically close enough to where he could do that in an afternoon and get to Dalton before the sun goes down. No, you couldn't. And just uh, throwing it out there that I am from the Midwest and I have like... If it was Columbus or if it was Cincinnati or like for Detroit, um, you can do that because that's a little bit more like L.A. But in it would take if I went. So let's see if I, you know, gosh, even where I'm now in Grand Rapids, there are about three or four high schools around that you could do that. But it would be it. it's yeah, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, it. Not when the competition is as it's in, in different cities. It just they're honestly, too far away. I live down the street from my old high school, and the next closest one is probably about four miles away, and another one about three miles away. Um, but in traffic, it would still take you two days because yeah. it's LA. So if the was <laughs> like, I'm gonna go to Santa Monica High School, and then I'm gonna go to Fairfax High School, and you're like, you're trying to get from Santa Monica to West Hollywood in an afternoon. Good luck. It's gonna take you like two hours in traffic. Yeah, no, it just, it isn't. But that's the suspension of disbelief I'm fine with. I mean, 
Yeah, well, see, the, yeah. the writers of Glee think Ohio is the size of a postage stamp. And like five <laughs> see, and it's funny, because people commute so much here, the idea that Kurt commuted to Westerville never seemed like a big deal to me, because I know people that oh, make, God. That, yeah, no. that drive two hours. You yeah. know, I had friends that would drive an hour, two hours to go to, to go to a really good school. So for me, the idea that Kurt didn't live in Dalton never really made that, you know, was never that strange to me, because people do that here. Whereas everyone else is like, there's no way he would drive that far to go to school. No. So it's just uh. funny how like those little differences make it harder or easier to suspend your disbelief in some well, things. It's kind of funny because sometimes you can tell when you a writer has, you know, this, this they're used to living in a city in a very urban space. And but isn't Ryan Murphy from the Midwest? Yes, but he's been, how long is he, I mean, when is the last time he stepped foot in Indiana? I mean, come on. Okay, true, good point. <laughs> Touche. But uh, there are some things that they get right, but sometimes stuff like this, but it's also a suspension of disbelief. I mean, I don't want to, you know, waste time talking about the logistics of how they got to one place or another. I don't care. Like, I know that they joke about all the time, they even fourth wall break about them going to New York so often, and it's fine. I mean, that's one thing I'm fine with, like, breaking my suspension so so yeah um there is i want to say i just wanted to point out when kitty and Artie kind of officially become a couple in the choir room and she says something like you know i'm you know we're gonna who knows if we're doomed like every other forsaken couple that got together in this choir room and blaine says um blaine says kurt and i will have a happy ending and I just like to point out that they didn't start in that choir room. So, Blaine, <laughs> you started in a choir room, but not that choir room. They didn't even start really in a choir room. They started, no, they started in a, a random room that had a table and a bird casket. <laughs> so, R.I.P. Pavarotti. Yeah. So I think it's funny that Plain's so indignant about it because it's like Kurt and I will have a happy ending, and they will, but they are not like every forsaken you know couple that. And I could just hear room. Kitty's eye roll. From a, yeah. I could hear it. I could hear her physically roll her eyes. Marley did too. She's like, okay. <laughs> when Marley's rolling her eyes, you know that Blaine is getting on their nerves. Yeah, I'm told you it's the. Oh God! Like, stop posting kissing pics. We are tired of it. <laughs> We know you're back together. We get it. Oh, I did notice while they were in the vocal adrenaline place, one of the girls there was trying to make moves on Artie, and Kitty was like, uh-uh, hands off, I'm in. Oh, yeah. I did see that. And I'm just I'm like, about that. yep, I, I enjoy this. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, then we get into um, probably my, one of my favorite sequences the show's ever done. Um, it starts out, we have Kurt and Bert in the car, and I think... A lot of people were worried about, you know, Kurt's agency in this. And I, I love that right off the bat, they introduce, they say, Blaine, no, Kurt knows that he's going to get proposed to. They acknowledge that he is concerned about being too young. He also says, I love his line when he says, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to find somebody who makes me feel as loved and safe and connected as Blaine does. Um... And then I love what Bert has to say. He talks about his own young marriage with Kurt's mom and how being in your 20s is hard and being married young is hard. And, you know, there are going to be a lot of great things. I love that it's like, you know, pasta and sex. But um, You know what I like about the pasta and sex line? 
is that pasta is hella cheap. Oh, yeah. When you're, like, on, like, that last week before your payday and you're, like, really broke and you've got, like, five bucks, and that's what you can, that's what you make. You make spaghetti. Yeah. It stretches. Mm-hmm. And it's hella cheap. So I just like that little line. Told, that line told you so much about Kurt, Kurt's mom and Bert's early relationship. And I also like that they weren't, I, I know a lot of fandom always imagine that, like, Bert and Kurt's mom were like high school sweethearts and it was like the whole like uh John Cougar Mellencamp Jack and Diane type relationship where like they grew up in Lima together and you know ended up having you know being together but now they met at 22 were together for six months and got married yeah I really love that I love that that canon piece of canon because it says you know hey Bert and Kurt's mom fell in love with each other really quickly they knew they wanted to get married really quickly they were in their 20s it wasn't easy um um, they argued about milk going bad and bills and things that real people get mad at. But Bert also says, you know, even being with Carol, even being within a second relationship that really means a lot to him, he said, yeah, I would definitely take 10 more minutes with her if I had the chance. Yeah. And so. I just yeah. like the realness of it. And it, because I think because Kurt's mom passed away, fandom wanted to give her this fairy tale of a life before because she died so young. Mm-hmm. And I like the normalcy yeah. of what canon gives us. Absolutely. And I, we don't really get a whole lot of Kurt's mom in the series. And I like that this is a huge snapshot of of life um, before before she passed away. And and I think it's I think this is also a testament of the show saying, you know, Kurt and Blaine may still have issues after this, but it comes back to you know they are happy together they do like each other they they will work it out you know mm-hmm. and I also think... marley is my headcanon for what i thought kurt's mom looked like okay <laughs> i don't know i just want to oh, throw that I... out there whenever i thought about kurt's mom i always imagined that's exactly what she would look like i i saw this thing where someone made uh something with jenny goodwin jenny the one that played from once in... upon a time yeah mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and, like, there was, like, a thing that compared them and, like, with her, like, snow white, like, complexion and everything. I'm, like, I can see that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that Bert is wearing his little pin, uh, rainbow pin that Blaine gave him. Um, man, I can't imagine what the conversation would be, especially after the previous season where Blaine is, like, I am going to marry your son, and uh, this is how I'm going to propose, and will you please bring him there? Because obviously Bert was in on this. <laughs> well, I just imagine Bert just being kind of resigned, like, I knew you were. Like, I, I yeah. like to think that he was a little bit more than resigned, though. Like, um, You guys, I, your kids aren't going to listen. You got to do, you got to let them do what they're going to do. Yeah, but not, like, that sounds a little cynical, I guess. I feel like he's not, like, you know, yes, go get married, you know, take on the world. But he's like, oh, you know, Blaine is really serious about this, and he knows that Kurt is happy, and they've actually gotten back together. Um, that helps. I think that, yeah, because mm-hmm. Bert does have that moment when, right, at, you know, when Blaine actually asks the question, and everybody gets really quiet, and and, and Kurt and Blaine and Bert, his name's Bert, is the one that actually like looks a little concerned for a second, just like I don't know how this is gonna go. Um, but but yeah, it, I like that Bert says, "Look, 
this is not my decision. You know, Blaine came to me, I gave him advice, but ultimately this is your decision. And um, I do like Kurt's like, he's like, all you have to do is say yes, no, or maybe. And Kurt's like, is there another option? (laughs) Well, I think part of Kurt pretty much always knew he was going to say yes, because if he didn't, like he knew there was going to be something big. And if he really thought he was going to say no, he would have talked to Blaine beforehand mm-hmm. and said, look, yeah. no, I don't want to get even engaged now. Like, because getting engaged does not mean you have to get married right away, even though every single show seems to think, like, you should. Oh, well, that's, but, what I, that's what I always thought, especially when it came to in season six and they're planning it. And I'm like, why not just have a conversation and say you want to have a longer engagement? But every yeah. TV show acts yeah. engaged means get married as soon as possible. Like, yeah. I was engaged for three freaking years before I got married. You know what I did during that time? Plan my wedding and save up money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? But, well, like, and I... But I, mean, I think oh boy, if Kurt really did... Knew down deep in his soul, no, we sh- No, I don't want to get engaged. I don't want to consider this. He would have told Blaine ahead of time. Like, he's not cruel enough to just mm-hmm. not show up or, you know... Whatever mm-hmm. he would have taken him ahead of time, and Bert, I think Bert also knows that, and so he's like, "Go listen to what he wants to say. And if you still want to say no, if you actually do want to say no, fine. But I'm also not telling you what to do because I think Bert knows. If he says no, I told Blaine no, this is a stupid idea. Kurt, Kurt would probably be like, "Oh, this is a stupid idea. This is a stupid idea." But Bert's like, "You're a man now. You've got to make your own decisions." And he's he's telling him like, you know, he kind of puts it into. Yes, I know this was probably written after Corey died. So, yes, it's going to be more so, you know, live while you're young, seize the chances while you have them because you don't know what's coming. But because we have that history of Kurt's mom died, he probably would have given a similar cease, even if Corey had been around and just saying, like, look, what are you going to regret more? That you suffered if the relationship doesn't work out or that you didn't take a chance at all and that you suffered apart from each other. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think, I, and I like that better than the whole idea of, People saying that the public proposal was a manipulation to get a yes. It's not. And no. I want to. I'm. I Kurt to wants right. the big production. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just have to address this. And it wasn't necessarily. There weren't a lot of people. There was maybe there was one person in particular who was very loud about it. Um, that season four and went out of its way, especially in the last episode, to say Kurt loves big productions. Kurt has always loved big productions. Kurt finds everything about this actual proposal incredibly romantic. His reservations it's, are uh, about... over his freaking face. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. His only reservations were about th- that they were too young and they'd just gotten back together. That is what his reservations were. It was never about this big public spectacle. Um, and it is frustrating. Sometimes fandom can be really frustrating when they miss they, they, when when you take a character and you over-identify with them and insert your own issues into that character, mm-hmm. that's a problem. So, or when you're purposely obtuse to something because you don't like that aspect of the story or the character. Yeah. So we're gonna ignore the fact that Kurt likes big productions because we don't like the fact that he's going to get engaged. Right. So, that said, I mean, I've not heard any... Those people have left the fandom a long, 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 long time ago. So, I'm not concerned that any of our listeners are really going to be that upset. Um, Or send hate mail. Um, But just... 
it, part of Kurt's character is to be is a super romantic. This is something that he has wanted since he is a little kid, like to have this gushy romantic proposal. And I am going to argue as we get into it, this is almost a spiritual wedding. This these two characters, this is kind of a more wedding than their actual wedding is going to be. Um, you get because you know if you look at the 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 um, staging. As we get into All You Need Is Love, you know, Kurt and Blaine, they meet outside, and then Blaine takes off, and you don't see him, and then you get this whole, like, line, and he's hugging, you know, his bridesmaids, which are Rachel and Santana, and Mercedes is there, and hugs everybody in the line, and then goes through the, quote-unquote, church-ish, you know, Dalton, um, and comes down the aisle, to Blaine, who's waiting at the end of it. It's very... Gosh, Dalton would have been a great place to get married. Yeah. I feel like they would have if they actually could have. Like, if they had actually they had their own wedding to plan, they would have. Blaine yeah. would have. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there was this... Another post on Tumblr. I keep referring to things on Tumblr. Um, well, that's where, where we all hang oh, out, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, where, so, it, like, it's like the little parts about how so first of all like Blaine's already at Dalton because of the whole Clayne storyline where Kurt goes to Dalton and then the like all the warblers show up and they have their time there and then Kurt goes back to McKinley and that's where he's like he hugs like Artie and Tina and stuff and then Blaine follows him and then Rachel like leads Kurt away from Blaine that represents like Kurt they go into like New York and then Santana following them and then, and then, like, he goes back to where they first met. Yeah, because the, the warblers outside, um, where they're standing on the side, they're doing, like, the, the choreography from Teenage Dream. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. How cool. How cool. Well, and there's so many little, I mean, just this, this whole sequence is beautiful. I mean, I know a lot of people, when we first heard... Um, all you need is love. People were a little like, okay, it's not Blaine's greatest solo. I, I love it though, but because when you get into all of the, the just spectacle of it, it's just so, so amazing. And um, I, it's interesting to me that like in this moment, it does say, you know, the song is all you need is love, and and but the actual message that Bert says and going forward is that. No, all you need is love is not going to be, you know, what gets you through everything. You know, hard work and communication and being committed is going to be what gets you through it. But also the love part of it is this grandiose and amazing thing, too. And I just think it's an interesting contrast there. Um, But this is also, again, it is the um, epitome and the heightened top part of, like, I've talked a lot about Clayne being a fairy tale romance, and this is the ending of that fairy tale romance. Everything else is the happily ever after. And, um, yeah, I, I... I know that I've shown my my little niece this, and she thinks it's like a, she it's, thinks it's like a Disney movie. Like I, I'll show her this, and she she's just like they kiss and they're happy, and she's like did, she asked me she's like did they get married? It's sure, and she got you know happy. I mean it's like a it is a symbolic happy ending. Yeah, and then reality is what comes next. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that you know. 
Let's talk about the proposal. Let's talk about one of the most beautifully written speeches that, I mean, Blaine topped his speech. I, I, you know, the one in original song was very beautiful, but this one just kind of blows all the other speeches in the entire show out of the water. Um, and I love the bit where he says, if you know me, I wouldn't take someone yeah. else's hand. Because I, I was just like, that is such like a nice little bit of characterization to like randomly throw in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense because Blaine is very particular. He, believe it or not, he's the neat freak of the relationship. I and probably a bit of a germaphobe. <laughs> I like that in the moment because they have all the spectacle, and as Kurt comes down the stairs, it stops being about everybody else in that room, and it becomes the two of them. I mean, it's and the very... roses in Kurt's hair. <laughs> Why did they not use red and yellow roses? Damn it. Honestly, I couldn't tell if the roses were CGI until they landed in Chris's hair and stayed there. Oh man, could you imagine though having to like be the person that swept up that every take? Oh my god. uh, (laughs) But um but yeah, I love the intimacy of when they come in and it's they are their eyes are locked on each other. I mean there's they are not looking at anyone else in that room. And it is just about that moment and that connection. And, you know, ultimately Kurt looking at Blaine and going, yeah, this is who I want with the rest of of my life. If you were crying by the end of this, then you (laughs) might need to check if you have a heart and soul because I was bawling when it first aired. I I did not cry. I did not cry, but also... um... But I made up for it because I bowled my way through the quarterback. So, yeah. <laughs> but I did not cry at this. But I'm also not someone who cries at like romantic things. Okay, I I'm cry at everything. Just, so. okay, same. I'm I a, cry. The thing is, I'm a crier, but I just don't cry at romantic things. It's weird. Like I'll cry yeah. at a like really happy scene or a really sad scene, but like romantic scenes, I'm just like, this is really sweet. I do. My face was hurting because I was just smiling so hard. But I was also, you know, Gleek of the Week, and I had a new URL on top of that. <laughs> and I was right this, about Adam, and it was just, like, a really freaking good day for me. And this then Kurt and Blaine got engaged on top of it. Might be one of the scenes that I've watched the most that I go back to when I'm, like, not feeling good, and I come back to the scene, and it's so happy and joyous and and just everything about it. And I love, I love that they're like, let's talk about their costumes, the blue and the gold and just, it's a, they're gorgeous tuxes and they look so beautiful together. I remember when the stills came out and people were looking for meta. There was, that was when like color, the color meta was a thing. And people were talking about like yellow's the color of cowardice. And I was like, yeah, but it's also the color of sunshine. And then, People were trying like really hard to find some meta, and then people were like, "Well, Blaine's wearing mustard, and the Beatles have this song called Mean Mr. Mustard." And I'm like, "Okay, that's Mean Mr. Mustard, who slits in the park and shaves after wow. dark." Like, They're really stretchy. <laughs> like the song, like you're reaching. You're reaching. Like, well, because really, you you get, you know, yellow and the gold and the sun and the the just energy that Blaine radiates. It's it's very. So- positive my tie for him is you are my sunshine whereas blue kurt's blues are deep in serenity and intensity and it just it's a more intimate thing but it, it's a it's a contrast but a contrast that works well together and the way their personalities do i do and i think i agree very symbolic of that and plus, plus it matches her eyes plus it matches her eyes because in the right light hazel eyes do look kind of like golden 
And many, many, many lines of fan fiction have been written about Kurt's eyes. They're glass. Yeah. <laughs> so, the... Yeah, so I think the color, other, I mean, I never took it much deeper than that. But I no, do remember it's not. The, yeah. um, pretty boys look pretty in pretty colors. That's kind of how I took <laughs> it. That's really what they were going for. Um, but yeah, it ends. Uh, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, just as a throwout, I don't know if anyone has ever really noticed this. Uh, TVD is actually specifically um, Kurt's color scheme in this episode. The blue and the purple um, was modeled. I actually took a screen cap of the episode and used it like I copied the color code color codes and used that in my design for the for the website um, oh nice picture. see I yeah. always look at it on on mobile oh so, yeah, yeah it doesn't show up on mobile yeah if you ever look at it on the actual like on the desktop and go to the actual site um it is it, it was supposed to also um way back when we ended it the show choir blogs um, that that Multicorn ran for about a month. Uh, she had the blatant color scheme, um, so because you're going to be uh, going mm-hmm. together, but but then that changed, you know. But and I just yeah. I've always loved Kurt's color scheme, though, so I never changed it. But, um, I like the texture of the material on his suit. And isn't he wearing the silver heart as well? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, church. yeah. So, but yeah, this. You know, and he wanted to make sure he looked good in his engagement photos for sure. <laughs> I love that. Well, there wasn't even a photographer there. Um, oh, people I, are taking pictures. Come on, we have uh, iPhones. I'm sure Ernie had cameras strategically oh, yeah. put somewhere. <laughs> I love the I love the moment when when Blaine actually asks, and everything gets really quiet, and he just Kurt just has all of this emotion on us, and he's just breathlessly like, "Yes, yeah, you know." Yeah, and he says yeah, and I like yeah, that even better. Yeah, <laughs> he says and yeah, because he's echoing like, the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and they go in for the kiss and putting the ring on, and oh gosh, the ring watch two thousand whatever it was. Why um, did Blaine get a ring? <laughs> I know that's, but um, yeah, everything ends so happily on this, and no, it is not going to be a hundred percent great as we go out of it, but. In this moment is one really perfect moment. It is. Uh, it needed to be because we knew that we were going to come up on one of the saddest, on the saddest episode the show's ever going to have. And so this episode needed to be joyous and happy because we were about to have to go through something that was just unfathomable and horrible. So it makes sense I, that this ended that way. I also like that their story doesn't end here, that they are still going to go through struggles and, you know, it, it, a lot of times stories end when the characters get married and that's it. And this, you know, we do get some beyond after that to see them grow as a couple who are together and stuff like that. And I just think that's really cool too. So. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It they just like went for all the little tropes and like talking about how they they basically said we're soulmates without using the word soulmates mm-hmm. and I know that there was a like a fanfic going around they were like this is almost exactly what was in the end of your fic I'm just like oh yeah that's very similar and everything but it was just 
such a, a good proposal and it's it made you so happy and it's like now I don't care I was say yes to that and I was already engaged at the point but <laughs> like I just recently got engaged when this episode that's aired, why you were like, crying you big old sap <laughs> yes that is totally why I was crying because it's like I didn't get this big production number to be fair I was in Paris when I got engaged but still but that's pretty big Oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dope. <laughs> and I didn't know it was coming, so I didn't have the forewarn. But still, like, it was such... Uh, I love this scene. I love this proposal. Like, And I know when it first came out, somebody who had already seen it, maybe it was Brazilians, I don't know, had somebody asked, is the proposal as good as the speech from original song? And somebody was like, it's almost as good i'm like no this is a this is better song song speech it is so freaking romantic and most of us can recite along with it i love this one more it's just it's so good and uh i can't like verbalize how much i love it and how great it was and they had all the little touches like people doing asl and like yeah the call back to the teenage dream dance and like Kurt's like a little surprised, like oh wait, there's more because you know he kept getting like, there's more and more and more and more. like it's almost overwhelming, but in a good way and just like uh the only part and having just you know dad there and Mercedes and Rachel and you know like his closest friends, you know yeah. the, that's although that does make Corey's absence a little more glaring yeah. because you know yeah, they would have yeah. been you know, right I, there. I to Will after they asked. I'm like, no, you don't need to cut to Will. I don't need to see Will's face. I need to... <laughs> no. Well, but, but there's also Bert there who is a little yeah, bit... Yeah, but it, he, he was not the focus of the shot. Yes. Yeah. But it was just... It was the perfect proposal and I've watched a lot of shows and they've had a lot of great proposals, but like, this, this is up there. This is my, probably might be the best proposal I've seen on TV, and I think the only one that will ever affect me as much as this one is Chandler and Monica and Friends, which you know. Mm. Oh, that was a good mm-hmm. one. Because like Ben and Leslie's, so, I I do love Ben and Leslie's too. Having on never, Parks and Rec, I've never watched Parks and Rec, so <gasps> I'm grateful. Oh, and Brooklyn Nine Nine just did theirs, and that one was perfect for those characters. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Their their proposal was absolutely perfect, but in a completely different way. And also, yeah. I highly recommend Parks and Recreation. <laughs> um, it was just so good. Okay. I, I just, I think this is one of those moments that, I think this is one of those moments of the show that really makes Glee special and magical. And it... You know, I understand. There's a, we'll get into the wedding stuff and a lot of criticisms and a lot of rightful criticisms. I get that, but I don't think you can't really top this. I think this is just about as over romantic that you can possibly get. I just there's no way whatever they did with the wedding, it just couldn't in a lot of respects. So so yeah, that that's our episode i do remember people saying when he said the thing about a thousand lifetimes or something like that or every different lifetime this one was like that oh, means yeah. all of our fake is canon <laughs> sure there is, okay so i will throw <laughs> I was like, that's, that's one interpretation i don't okay spoiler alert in case you guys have never read this fic though i'm thinking most people have the she which is actually spelled s-i-d-h-e but it's pronounced she is a 
fantasy fic that it was written by Chasm. Um, and in that fic, basically, it's a story about Blaine is a knight and Curtin's an elf, and it's a just complete fantasy, and, and, you know, they get together and whatever. But the end of the fic is actually kind of crazy because... Basically, um, through some kind of fantastical stuff, it says, you know, they're both going to pass away, but they said, you know, we're going to be back in another lifetime. And the way the the fic ends is the last scene of it is where they recognize each other again, but it is in the actual canon of, you know, never been kissed. Like That's what I was talking through, about. <laughs> yeah. They've been through all of these other lifetimes and like at the end of the before that they like one of the they both see that themselves in all of these other different um timelines and all these different ways and then the last scene is the most recent incarnation of the two characters in the never been kissed thing and i I, it's one of those times that i'm like they must have known something about this fic because it is almost a literal like commentary about blaine speech you know about you know uh in every lifetime i've come back and chosen to be with you is kind of a, a very much commentary on what this fic was saying that every time we come, you know, we, we come back to each other in all of our lifetimes. So, um, so yeah. Such a good fic. If you haven't read it, go read it or go, go read the books. She, she made with it. She made, yeah, she rewrote it as an original novel, which is very good as well. So, so yeah, um, that is our season opener. Um, season five, um, is one of my favorites, it, you know, it, 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 rivals season two for favorite season. There's so much really great stuff. It kicks off to an amazing start. Um, and yeah, I just really love it. I have a lot of love for this particular episode, but do you have love, love, love? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. The pun That's okay. was right there. It was there. It was oh. right there, but yeah. No, this this is like my favorite episode of Glee because it combines everything I love. It combines Clane, it combines exceptional amounts of romance, and it combines my favorite band, the Beatles. So it's like you 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 they didn't even have to try to make me like this episode really because it had <laughs> everything I love just smushed together. If like, you ignore the Sue parts, which I do, so. I want to give a quick shout out to Darren and Chris's acting in this because I know some people were, I don't know, questioning a little bit about the acting. And I think that they both brought their A games to this. Um, it could have been over the top. I mean, it could have been just incredibly schmaltzy and, and unrealistic. And I just absolutely think that they nailed this. And this is probably my favorite Clayne episode. Uh, so. so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me, um, kicking off the season five opener. Uh, next week, we are actually going to do the script. We're going to dig in and talk a little bit about what we didn't see during this episode. Um, and it'll be a lot of fun. And then after that, we'll continue with um, Tina in the Sky with Diamonds. So uh, thank you guys for joining me on this one and have a great Sunday. You make me feel so young 
You make me feel like spring has sprung. Like the way he's speaking, his confidence is peaking. Don't like his baggy jeans, but I'ma like what's underneath it.